0: Get down to business Thanks for coming out tonight I wrote me a manual A step-by-step
1: booklet For you to get Oh, I make money move You can't see me. My time is now. Now, 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 now. What up, what up, what up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Fitness Times Business Podcast. My name is Joseph Mansell. I am your host. And, guys, we have an absolute cracker of an episode for you. I'm sitting across from a man who is an IFBB Pro bodybuilder, has been in the bodybuilding, competitive bodybuilding game for 20 years been in the fitness game, the fitness business game for 20 years. Uh, Owner of one of the most successful coaching teams, coaching businesses in the country, and that is team sacrifice coaching uh, with his wife, Jane Boothby. Trainer at Well Gym Ashmore up on the Gold Coast, and one of the most respected athletes, coaches, just most liked guys in the industry, Logan Robson, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Sounds very official. Welcome to the program. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the show. Man, I've, I've, I mean, I've, I've given you a little bit of an introduction. Is there anything else that kind of needs to be added to that? I know I've kind of like, I've started you up here. Yeah, that was pretty so. special. That was pretty special. <laughs> I like to bring people into the podcast on a little bit of a high. But seriously, I mean, uh, the the listeners and the viewers are, are in for... Uh, man, a huge treat today because I mean, straight away, twenty years experience in the sport of bodybuilding, twenty years experience in the business side of the fitness game. Uh, there is so much knowledge that that we're going to extract out of you uh, for the listeners and the viewers in this podcast. And just talking off camera before we jumped in here into the podcast studio, there's so much that I want to get to, um, and I want to start with. We're going to start with your competitive bodybuilding side, because most people who have, who have come across you on social media or through team sacrifice coaching would know you as, as a bodybuilder, know you as an IFBB pro bodybuilder. Um, You've been around for that long that that's kind of, you know, that, that reputation kind of precedes you a little bit. So just to give the listeners and the viewers a bit of background. So you started uh, your first show when you were 17, right? Real yeah, early,
0: a week off, my, my 18th birthday or thereabouts, I think. So yeah. it was only um, May end of May, June, so six months out of school.
1: Yeah. Came through, it was NABBA at the time.
0: NABBA at the time.
1: Came yep. through, won the NABBA Juniors did really well, uh, you know, as a, as a, as a teenager and early you know, competitor in your early twenties, then came across to the IFBB and really haven't left. So came across the IFBB in your mid, I'm going to say mid twenties, yeah, 23, 24. Yeah. 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 Did a bunch of shows, uh, obviously now IFBB pro bodybuilder as of recent times, as really a matter sure. of fact, that the, uh, I mean, what a way to own your IFBB pro card at the amateur Olympia in Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, and that was like eight weeks ago, right?
0: Yeah. Only eight weeks ago now.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah, big achievement and yeah, it was man. an awesome show. And Won the heavyweight class. Yep. Pro card. Yeah. Absolutely amazing, man. I want to kind of drill down into your your 20 years of bodybuilding experience because, I mean, first and foremost, to be in, in the game of competing for such a long period of time, you are a true testament to the saying that I use quite often that bodybuilding is a marathon, not a sprint. Absolutely. And I think there's a couple of things that I want to drill down into that I know based on your experience as a competitor. Um, the first one is you guys probably, you know, when I say someone's been competing for that long, you probably think that, you know, Logan's been competing every single year for 20 years straight. Uh, but you haven't, you've, you've done, you you've, you know, really looked at the the marathon side of bodybuilding as a true marathon. So you've had periods where, yeah, you've done shows, you know, year to year, back to back, but then you've had big periods of time off as well, right? You've yeah, had like two yeah. to three year off seasons. Yeah,
0: two lots where I had three years off, yeah. Three,
1: yeah, three year off seasons. So talk us a little bit through that. Like, I want to know how you justify that in your own mind. How do you come to you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna actually sit out of the sta- sit off stage now for for a sustained period of time for whatever reason. Work on my physique. Talk me through that a little bit. Yeah, I guess at first I did three years straight because
0: it's a little bit easier to grow those first few years and make improvements. Mm. And at the time, the juniors was under 21, so I wanted to make the most of those years first. Yep. And then um, I come off a win and a second over in Scotland and Germany Mm -hmm. in world titles in those as a junior. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, I've got to go play off the big boys. Yeah. So then I took three years off to try and obviously grow as much as
1: possible. And so that was from the transition from the juniors into the Opens now.
0: Yeah. 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 And from the NABBA to the To the IFBB, yeah. Because at the time, we're talking... 15, 20 years ago, now mm-hmm. had a bit more to offer in the in the juniors. Sure. But um, after placing first and second in world titles, I you know I saw the uh, IFBB pro card mm-hmm. and reaching that sort of um, achievement as the only way to go. So sure. I'm transferred over to um, IFBB. Mm-hmm. And did my first show three years later at 23. Yeah, and I won the Queensland heavyweight. And super heavyweight title against mm. I think about thirteen guys, and I was the youngest and lightest in the in the lineup. So mm-hmm. that was a good win straight off the bat Absolutely. for the for the opens. And then I placed second in the nationals in the heavyweights to Con Demetrio, who turned pro six months later. Mm. Mm. Um, and that was again then. Um, obviously, that was a good result, but I still didn't come back straight away the next year. Um, the thing with me is I like to attack. I guess I attacked bodybuilding, then I attacked business, then I attacked bodybuilding and then business. So yep. the next thing I wanted to do was build a house. So I actually left the fitness industry
1: mm-hmm.
0: and went on to landscaping. Yeah. Um, just because I knew what money was coming in each week, benefits of a loan and things like that. And um, I went off and started the next project, which was building my first home. Mm-hmm. So that took me away from the stage for three years again. Mm-hmm. And then once all that was done and I was in a better financial position and comfortable position, and again, to grow enough, I came back three years later.
1: Yeah. It's one of the things that we see a lot, uh, definitely in recent times, much more. I mean, you and I, we're, we're similar ages. We've been competing for similar periods of time. I started, you know, I did my first show when I was 18. Yeah. Uh, and so we both kind of had this, I guess, uh overview of the sport and the competitive side of the sport over the years and definitely in recent times it seems like, I don't know if there is external pressure or if it's, you know, internal, the external pressure from perhaps social media or the federations or the um, allure of earning pro status or maybe a little bit of internal pressure because people don't really understand that the sport is a marathon, it's not a sprint. But there seems to be in recent times, just this desire to compete every year, compete in every show, do season A and season B every single year, and it's like from a, you know, from two ways of looking at it, firstly, from a physical development and actual competitive bodybuilding perspective, there's just not enough time to make any fucking progress. No, nah, not at all. You know, like you go, and we were just saying, like you've, you know, say you were, you just did the, the amateur Olympia, which is effectively a season B show. If you were now to jump straight into season A, you're 17 weeks out of season A, you're eight weeks Post show, yeah. it's like when are you going to make any progress?
0: Yeah, <laughs> and at the moment being eight weeks post, I yeah. strength's only just coming back properly. Yeah, um, I feel like my body's only just regulating. Yeah, um, there's been a lot of other stuff in between, um, so to turn around again and do another show in mm. seventeen weeks and expect to be much better. Um, I think is a bit of an impossible task Well, I I don't see the point to be honest.
1: And I think the proof's in the pudding. Like we see, you know, especially in the amateur ranks, the professionals are a little bit different, but in the amateur ranks, you see competitors put up the exact same physique every year. Yeah. And most people need to make significant improvements. Of
0: course. Whether it's all over or certain body parts or their condition and things like that. So they need to take that time. Yeah. I believe every 18 months to two years is a, is a, is a good way of looking at things. Yeah. Because by the time you come out of a show, two or three months to regulate mm-hmm. before you're really growing again. And um, if you think about it, you, even if you took the extra season, mm. you're still only going to get a six-month off-season at best. For sure. So I think that 18 months, two years is a, is a good way to go about
1: it. Take your time and, yeah. and, and progress. Like my thing is, you know, I speak to competitors about this all the time. Uh, I'm like, what's the rush? There's a bit of fear
0: of missing out as well.
1: It's definitely, it's a little bit of FOMO for sure. Especially with the way social media and things are these days. We probably didn't
0: feel that way years ago, so it was easy to take time away. Yeah, But these people feel they need to stay relative, or it's their business, so they yeah. want to keep putting physiques out there. They need
1: to stay relevant. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, if I don't have, uh, uh, you know, from a, I guess from a social media perspective, if I don't have contest of uh, content of me to post in contest shape, what am I going to post? Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, but it really, I think that the side effect of that is, you know, just this pressure to feel like it's like some sort of race. Yeah, and you're just not seeing the development of physiques that that need to be at certain levels of development to earn pro status, you know? And then the other thing I say with competitors who are trying to get that pro card in whatever federation and look at it like a race, it's like, okay, well, let you know, say you get your pro card, well then what? Then what? Yeah. You're going you're gonna to be forced to take time off, right? Because you're going to have to make significant improvements to your physique to go on if you want to be a top pro athlete. Yeah. So I think there's, you know, a huge lesson there to be learned, uh, you know, to to the athletes coming up now who perhaps, you know, weren't around 15, 20 years ago competing like you and I were when we first started where there was none of this external pressure of, you know, I remember when I first started competing, I didn't even fucking know what a pro card was. Yeah. I was like, I'm just competing because I like competing. <laughs> yeah. and you didn't yeah. know who were you were competing against till
0: you lined no. up at the registration. Yeah. That actually no made rego quite exciting. It did because yeah. everybody's looking yeah. at everybody, thinking what division's he in, yeah. what division she in. Yeah, you and had it, no
1: way of knowing what you what yeah. pe- what people look like because yeah. there was no Instagram. People weren't you know posting physique updates and that sort of thing. So very different times. Yeah, hugely different times. But I think that you know the one lesson that we can definitely pull out of those times and apply to today is just take your time. Absolutely. You know, you, you you have to for physique development. You just can't make significant progress if you're competing twice a year. If you're competing, yeah. you know, every single year, there's just not enough time. Yeah, and that's the one. You know, we talk about when we talk about bodybuilding, we talk about consistency, we talk about work ethic, we talk about you know all these these kind of um, fluffy concepts. But the one variable is time. Yeah, you need time in the game. You can't build a physique that's going to take 12 months to build in two months. Yeah. It just doesn't happen.
0: And I guess that's another discipline, being yeah. able to sta- step back yeah. and take the time to, 100%. to maybe do that if you don't want to do that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's the, and right,
0: not... the right thing for you moving forward. Yeah.
1: And I think, you know, the other thing, and, and I do want to delve into this when we start talking about the business part of your life, but you know, you mentioned just, uh, you know, when, when you do compete, uh, it is one of those situations where you you really have to put a lot of eggs in that basket. Yeah. It does become very all-consuming of every aspect of your life if you're trying to be a top competitor, if you're trying to push for a pro card Definitely. or, you know, trying to, trying to win uh, and, you know, having that pressure and that, that kind of, I guess, micro focus, micro obsession year after year, you know, multiple times a year is going to detract from other periods of your life. And you know we see this a lot as well as competitors that just have all of their eggs in the competing basket and nothing else going on. Yeah. Because that's all they do. Yeah. And I think you know that that that's another lesson to take is you know competing is important. You know if you're if you're a competitor and you want to make it to the pro stage and you know you, you know ultimately make a career out of it, but you have to kind of have other things going on as well. Yeah. Uh, because if you put all your eggs in that basket and it doesn't work out, you know. There's not much there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And anything could happen very quickly. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: If you don't have things
0: in place, it um, can get ugly pretty quick.
1: Yeah. For sure, and it's you know it's I guess it's that you know one of the things that I say is is don't have a plan B, you know like if you've got a if you've got a plan A, um, burn your boats is kind of what I say. Don't don't have don't allow yourself something to fall back on because if you have the luxury of having something to fall back on, you kind of always know it's there in the back of your mind, so it's going to prevent you from going all in on what you want to go all in on. But you also have to be sensible about it as well. You know you have to weigh up the risks of the, uh, holistically the whole situation and go, well, you know, I do want to go all in on, 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 on competing if that's what you want to do. But at the same time, I need to be able to support that through other things going on in my life, Yeah, you know, through, through other, um, you know, whatever it may be that kind of sets the foundation for you to be able to do that. Yeah. So it's almost like taking a holistic view of that. And it's not cheap to compete, so Well, yeah, well that's the other thing, right? You would see it more than most as a as a, a comp coach. Um, you know, I'm sure that you have competitors kinda of come to you who just have no idea yeah, no about idea. Yeah. the expenses related to being a top competitor. You know, when you start talking about, you know, competing overseas, flights, accommodation, food. You know, everything that comes along with it, supplements. um, Time off work around the shows. Time off work. Yeah, 100%. It all
0: adds up very
1: quickly. Yeah. And if you don't have that foundation, it's all going to come crumbling down pretty quickly as well. The other thing that that you are a a particularly good example of and something that I see a lot of competitive athletes struggle with is you went through this process where – at the start of your competitive career, you were winning like everything. You mentioned about winning juniors as a teenage, going over to world championships, winning those, taking that time off, coming into the IFBB, winning again. So you had like, you know, let's say the first, I don't know, five, six, seven years of, of your experience in bodybuilding, you were winning everything. And then you start not winning. You start placing second, you start placing third, you know, which is not uncommon as you kind of progress through the sport, the level of competition gets more difficult and you go from being the big fish in a small pond to being a small fish in a much bigger pond. Yeah. I see a lot of athletes that kind of follow that process where they're winning early on and then they start not winning, really struggle with the mindset around that. You know, they almost kind of, um, I guess, spiral down into you know a black hole effectively and struggle to get out of it, struggle to get back on top. How did you navigate through that process?
0: Uh, I think, I mean, it's a lot, it's a different story winning junior junior titles with smaller lineups and mm-hmm. different ages and things like that, as opposed to trying to win a heavyweight mm-hmm. national title in any country. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me is when I did start, well, losing or well, second place, mm. it was the first two or three times were all to someone older than me, mm-hmm. more established than me, mm-hmm. training longer than me. Mm-hmm. So I think in that sense, I always felt like I'm still the up and comer, I'm still an up and comer. Mm-hmm. So I took that away from it, like, just keep moving forward, just keep moving forward, keep training, keep pushing, and your time will come. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I think that's what made it easier. Had I been beaten by someone five years younger and straight on the scene, Mm -hmm. I may have felt different about it, Mm -hmm. but, um, I guess that's what kept pushing me forward to, to try and catch the, the older guys Mm. until that point where I became the older guy, I guess, and then was... I haven't been beaten by. There's only probably one or two that are younger than me, mm-hmm. uh, or that have been in a sport for less than me. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of my losses come to guys who have went straight to turn on turn pro. Mm.
1: Um,
0: so I guess that that kept me going. Yeah.
1: What about the? Uh, and you know, we were talking a little bit about this off camera as well. Is your ability to focus on your own progression as an athlete rather than, you know, how you're stacking up against the, the competition, um, you know, and being able to kind of fo- laser that focus in on what's within your realm of control, which is your own development as an athlete, yeah, which is tied to your consistency, your dedication, your work ethics, so on and so forth, and not focusing on things that are outside of your control, which is everything else. Yeah. Well, as we just spoke about, I guess, even though we
0: just spoke about all the places, Mm. a lot of them mean nothing to me. If I think back on my shows, Mm. we go, what did you do in 2006? I get an image of how I looked on stage. So instantly I get an image of my condition, Mm. my size. Mm. I've got to actually think about where I came Mm. or what show I did. So because to me it's been, as you said, the progression of my physique over the years, and as cliche as it is, as long as I'm better than last time I stepped on stage, I've won. 100%. And that is true. Yeah. We can't help who we stand against. Yep. We can't help if last show an Iranian rocked up and beat me. You know, I can't control that stuff, mm. but I still put my best physique on the day. Yeah. And if I, you know, the only loss would be if I showed up 18 months later looking worse than 18 months before. Mm. So what that would be the, the waste or get me thinking, why am I doing this still? Yeah. Um, But at the end of the day, it's, yeah, that self-progression, pushing yourself more, pushing to be better.
1: Mm -hmm. Have you ever had uh, a show that you've won where you haven't been happy with your progression as an athlete?
0: No, more so just the condition on the day. Mm Mm-hmm just might have been a state title 3 weeks before a nationals and yep. taking it a bit easy and thinking why did you put that physique up there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but still got the win and it's, i guess that's maybe why cuz you thought yep. you were going to win anyway so yeah
1: it's an interesting uh you know i like i like putting this the question forward because i've been there myself i've won shows where I wasn't real happy with the physique that I put on stage, but I walked away with the win. Yeah. And then I've had shows where I've put a really good physique on stage by far my best. Absolutely. And I I haven't won. Yeah. You know, there was even one show where I didn't even place. Yeah. And it's just interesting the way that we look at it as seasoned competitors you know, I'm sure you're the same as me. I'm more fulfilled and more satisfied when I've put up the best possible physique that I can put up on stage, regardless of whether I've won or not, regardless of how I placed that for me is the, is, is, is the real win, Yeah, you know, and it is cliche, but I think the longer that you spend in the sport, the, the more experience you, you have to the point where you go, you know what, these things are within my control. The rest of the things, the judging, who else shows up, um, you know, uh, <laughs> who's, which judges I, I catch, all that shit is just completely outside of your control. So you just can't get into the mindset of, of obsessing over that yeah. and focusing on that. And once again, that's something that I see definitely in recent times is, is competitors really kind of put that up on a pedestal, how they placed, you know, who else showed up how they were judged, uh, was it fair, you know, all of these things that they just have zero control over and really don't even consider how they progress as a competitor. Yeah. It's almost like that secondary. Yeah. Did I win? Did I get my pro card? Did I win an overall? Did the judges like how I looked? Who else showed up? well, I looked exactly the fucking same as I did 12 months ago, yeah. but let's not worry about that, <laughs> you know? But I think it's just, a nat- it's natural as you progress through the sport that you kind of almost come to this realization of the real game here is progression internally, you know, and, yeah. and your progression as an athlete. And you, if you keep getting better and better and better, the cards will fall as they may. Yeah. You're continuing to develop and continuing to win internally as an athlete. So I think that that's just something that you know a lot of current competitors can probably learn from as well. Yeah,
0: I see it a lot as a coach. Yeah. So they'll put on five kilos of muscle a year. Yeah. Same or if not better condition. Yeah. Place second and it's the end of the world. Yeah. Well, it's a pretty good year.
1: Yeah. Like it's a fucking phenomenal year. Yeah. They get second,
0: <laughs> and everyone's oh, I want to win. I want to win. I want to win. Of course, we all want to win. Mm. There's 20 people on that stage. Yep. They all want to win, Yeah, but you can't beat yourself up if you, if you come second, third, fourth mm. and someone's be- beaten you, who's got better genetics or been in the sport longer or yep. what have you may, whatever mm. reason. Um, so you're right. People don't um, place enough importance on mm. their physical gain and too much on that, that number one or what social media are going to think or. Um, my friends who don't understand the sport when they say, where'd you come? And you go, Oh, fifth, but I looked good. They don't understand.
1: I think generally it's just putting too much emphasis and too much importance on other people's opinions, whether that other person is someone on the judging panel, whether it's someone who follows you on social media, whether it's someone in the audience, whether it's a family member or a friend who doesn't necessarily understand the sport and your progression. If you put all that shit together, It's putting too much importance in other people's opinions, which at the end of the day means sweet fuck all. Yeah. Your progression as an athlete.
0: Yeah. Well, with my athletes, I try and say to them, whether they're a beginner, I'll be like, well, our first goal is to get to the stage healthy and in shape. Yeah. That's our first goal. Yeah. You can't change the amount of muscle you have now at five months out is the amount of muscle you have. Mm -hmm. We'll get in shape and then we work on on the next show or building for the physique for the future. Yeah. If they've already competed, then it might be, you know, the goal obviously still is to get to the stage. Top three would be fantastic Mm. and anything else is a bonus. Mm. And if you look at it that way, you don't put as much pressure on that first place, first place, first place. And then when it does happen, you enjoy it more as well. it's so sweet. I went over to to America and I had 28 guys in my division. Mm. I didn't know what was going to happen. I could have been 28th for all I know. But I wanted to make top five to yep. do routines mm-hmm. was the first goal. Mm-hmm. Top three would be awesome and first amazing mm. and it did play out that way. Mm. But I didn't sit there. Of course I say I want to win, but I don't put that much pressure on myself. Yeah. Especially in an international show and things like that. Or if you're a beginner, you, you've you got no idea how you're going to look or, yeah. or who's going to show up. Yeah. So I think, yeah, taking a step back and just initially just putting out the best package. That you have on stage.
1: That's all you is winning. and it's you know it's it's no surprise that there's definitely a a, a common um, thread in the fabric of what we're talking about here, and that is just that patience. Yeah, you know it's that overarching principle of be patient. You know, be consistent. Make bodybuilding is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. And it's I could not have, have pulled
0: the pin a million times. A hundred percent.
1: You know, it's not a sprint. It's not a race. Progress as you can as an athlete. Focus on things that are inside your realm of control, and don't give a fuck about anything else. That's generally what we're talking and about. Realistic. And be realistic. And be realistic, of <laughs> course. Be aware. <laughs> I want to flip the switch and uh, and dive into the the business side of uh, of your yourself. So, little background for for the listeners and the viewers. So, straight out of high school, uh, you. You went straight into the fitness industry as a personal trainer uh, and did that for four to five years uh, on the Gold Coast, which is where you currently reside. Uh, then you actually left the fitness industry, right? You, you, you uh, I guess, kind of got fed up with the, I guess, inconsistency in income. Uh, you yep. wanted something a little bit more stable, something that paid a little better and went into building and specifically in um, landscaping. Correct, yeah. Uh, and you did that for four or five years as well, yep. right? And then you come back yeah. into the fitness industry in your, in your late twenties, uh, as the, I guess the opportunity presents present itself to, to work with a friend of yours, John Davey, yep. uh, when he opened uh, one of the first world gyms in Ashmore on the Gold Coast, uh, for you to come in and be the, the first trainer at that particular world gym. Um, and at the same time, started your current business, which is Team Sacrifice, which is a, yep. primarily a contest coaching, comp coaching, but also lifestyle coaching uh, business. Yep. And you do, now you do a little bit of a split of, you still do your face-to-face training, but you do a lot of online business as well, yep. uh, online coaching. Uh, and that you uh, run with your wife, Jane, correct, as well in Team Sacrifice. So kind of come full circle there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, there's a couple of things that, that, um, I want to kind of drill down down on in here, that initial leaving of the the fitness industry, um, to go and do something a little bit more stable, a little bit better paying, uh, is something that we see quite a lot, but you've then come back in. Do you think that leaving, the industry and going and doing something completely unrelated in, in building and landscaping had the effect of almost kind of reinforcing your passion for working in the industry.
0: Yeah, most definitely.
1: Yeah. And how does that, how did that kind of play out? Because I can imagine you've kind of left, you know, you, you, you've got to a point with your training where you're like, yeah, you know, I'm not really enjoying this. It's kind of shit. Um, you know, whatever reason, all right, I'm going to go do something else. And you're probably real pumped about it, you know, turning over a new leaf, so on and so forth. Yeah. And then kind of like, what happens? <laughs> like, How do you, how do you, how does that kind of creep back on you? And you get to the point where you're like, fuck, I actually really missed that. Yeah. How does that happen? Well, I guess when I left the, I guess the
0: fitness industry or PT and and um, whatnot, mm. it was. I mean, we're talking fifteen years ago, so mm. the whole fitness industry was a different game. PT was a different game. Yeah. PT was more for um, the rich housewives that. <laughs> hubby was paying for their, for their PT and yep. they didn't really want to be there mm-hmm. or put in any effort. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to work with elite people yep. and um, people that wanted to push themselves and self-motivated and, and mm-hmm. I could help them finish the job. And I was finding that wasn't the case at all. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and just the inconsistency back then, cause PT wasn't, wasn't as big cause it was mm-hmm. just who could afford it at mm-hmm. the time. Um, so that took me to landscaping cause I wanted a. um, a more consistent paycheck at the end of the day because mm. I was looking at building my first house and, mm-hmm. and wanted to have some... I had some other goals like that, yeah. um, which it all it all helped with and it all played out like I wanted it to. Mm. But I did... About three years into landscaping, I did a, a show mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, I'm going to get lean so easy. I'm, I worked my butt off all day and that wasn't the case at all. Yeah, well, I got to a point and then my body was just like, I'm going to hold on to body fat I'm going to not recover mm-hmm. because it was just so physical. Um, I live on the Gold Coast, so you, you're working in 30, 35-degree heat all day. Yeah. And um, I will admit that I love training still. No yeah. matter how hard my day was out in the sun, mm. I was pumped to go to the gym. Mm. But I wasn't progressing. So um, after I did that show, and it was probably my worst show ever, <laughs> Um <laughs> Um, I took a step back and I thought, I I do love bodybuilding still. I don't want to put a physique up like that again and landscaping is what's causing this. Mm -hmm. So I said to myself, I would not compete ever again while I was landscaping. Mm -hmm. And that... Um, coincided with good timing with uh, John Davy opening the World Gym, mm. and he said, oh, "I'm opening the gym in six months." You got the opportunity to come straight on board, and um, so I had sort of six months to plan and re- re- redid my course and everything as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. and then um, moved on and, and started day
1: one at World Gym Ashmore. How do you get to the point of making that decision to go? back into the fitness industry, knowing now, because you've been there, right? So, you know, the kind of risks associated, you know that there is the risk of the inconsistent business, the inconsistent income, yeah. uh, you know, what the kind of lifestyle looks like, but at the same time you miss it. Like you, you enjoy it. I and did, it's kind of, that, yeah. you know, it's something that, that, that we tend to see quite often is uh, something that people want to do, but they can't get over the risks associated with leaving their current comfortable position. And that's really what it is. It's almost like this fear of wanting to kind of put themselves in a vulnerable position, put themselves in an yeah. uncomfortable position.
0: Which I absolutely had. Yeah. Yeah. I had a mortgage and yeah. bills to pay. And obviously, you know, most gyms, you might get free rent for a month or something like that. Yeah. And then you're paying full rent. So yeah. put that on top of my mortgage. On my own at the time, and um, it's pretty scary. Mm. But I backed myself, mm-hmm. and I wanted to do it, one for bodybuilding, one for – I genuinely like helping people. Mm. So – and again, I went away from it five years before, but the industry changed so much in that five years. Mm. So now there was more people competing. There was more shows. There was more awareness – in, in the world mm. of fitness, mm-hmm. full stop, so um, yeah, I guess backing myself and and wanted to wanted to have a go again,
1: how do you get to that decision though? because for a lot of people, that's a really difficult decision to make you know, you've got this, you, you, you've got this position of comfort, you've got, and at the time now you have financial responsibilities as well, right? So there is significantly more risk associated with making this decision now because you've got fucking bills to pay, yeah. right? Whereas before you didn't. What's the driver for that decision? Like, talk, you know, try and try and really talk me through how you get there. Because I think this is, you know, there's probably a lot of people listening, a lot of people watching this now that are in a kind of a similar position. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they do want to go and pursue something that they really want to, you know, that they're really passionate about or they really enjoy doing, but they just can't get – they can't build the courage, for yeah. lack of a better term, yeah, to go and take the leap. How did you take the leap? Um, I guess just
0: backing myself and um, – We talked before about having a backup plan or something Mm. to fall back on. Mm. And one thing bodybuilding's taught me Mm -hmm. and my dad in the past Mm -hmm. was to be disciplined and consistent, and that's why we're good at this sport. But I apply that to everything in my life. So I back myself. If I was – if the PT was – I tried the PT and coaching and it didn't work, Mm -hmm. I'll back myself to walk into any job and start. And then get a full-time job within no time. Sure. Because of my discipline and the effort I'll put in. And I see it all the time these days. Obviously, I've been in World Gym Ashmore for nine years mm. and God knows how many PTs I've seen come and go in that time. And everyone sees myself busy and other people busy and they think that's just gonna fall in your lap. Mm-hmm. But as we said, I've already been in there for 10 years and have done all the shows and whatnot. But people don't, they just expect in this day and age for it to fall in their lap and not do the work. Mm. So when I went back to PT, I put myself in the gym 12 hours a day. I had no clients, nothing. Mm. I just went and talked to people. I got my, just got out there and some of my face was out there. I'd train twice a day. I'd put weights away in the gym, um, any other marketing and hell that was before there was that much social media yeah. and I still made it work Yeah, in this day and age. It's a lot easier. Mm. There's a lot more competition, but there's a lot more avenues to self-promote and to market and things like that.
1: And to outwork the competition. Yeah. You know, the more opportunity there is to actually do things.
0: Even if there's more out there, there's not more out there that are willing to outwork others. Exactly.
1: You know, there's more opportunity and more competition, but there's still the same amount of people that aren't willing to do the fucking work.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So so I guess it's kind of, for you, it's a little bit of a, a combination of being confident enough in your skill set combined with knowing that you just have a relentless work ethic and you'll do whatever it takes to win. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which is, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool. You've come back into training, but this time, you know, you say the industry's changed, which definitely it had in that time that you were outside the industry doing landscaping. You've come back in, And pretty much immediately you've gone and you've started this, this brand, this, this coaching business, Team Sacrifice. One of the things that, you know, I talk to a lot of personal trainers and, 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 um, you know, people who work in that space in the industry, and most of them are very one dimensional in the fact that, you know, they just want to be a face to face personal trainer or they just want to be, you know, they just want to do one thing you've kind of come in and you're like okay you know i'm i'm going to do this the the face to face training the personal training but at the same time you know i've got this vision i guess to build this business around it to allow me to build something external to what i'm doing at this point in time which is the face to face personal training and you were saying now you know you you and I, I want to go through this in detail in a second but now you're kind of days you know, split between the face-to-face personal training, you do some online stuff, you do the comp coaching, you do the yep. lifestyle, there's, there's a whole lot of different avenues going on. What was it that, I guess, inspired you when you came back into the industry to go, you know what, I actually need to build a, a brand and a business around this, rather than just be Logan Robson, the personal trainer at World Gym Ashmore. Where does that come from?
0: Um, I guess I envisioned having more of a, a team and having them help each other as well, mm. and a bit more um, of that group environment, and mm. um, just to reach a further a broader spectrum, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just envision having having a team and people help each other, and mm. and it all growing together, and mm-hmm. pushing each other forward, and mm-hmm. not just making it in individual thing.
1: Yeah. And I think this is something that, you know, the, 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 listeners and the viewers who are in this space, uh, and there's, there's a lot of them is one thing that I see with good trainers, you know, the, the ones that are very successful, like, you know, like yourself, you know, busy all the time, run off their feet, you know, doing that 30, 40 sessions a week, 50 sessions a week, whatever it is, is they very quickly reach a glass ceiling, but really they're kind of between a rock and a hard place in the fact that they're doing well as a trainer. And because they're doing so many sessions, seeing so many people, they've built quite a nice income for themselves, but they're so busy doing that, that they're actually never going to grow much more. Exactly. Because it's like, well, you know, I'm spending 40, 50 hours a week training people, actual, you know, one-to-one physical training. It's earning me some, some good money, but actually don't have any time to go and work on the online coaching side of the business or the comp coaching side of the business or the lifestyle, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, it's, it's something to keep in mind if you're really looking at, and, and I think this is probably, you know, one of the benefits of you kind of leaving the industry and coming back in is, you, you know, you're able to kind of take a little bit of a high level view of where you see yourself going, yeah. uh, you know, long term in the industry. And I think if you're, a, if you're a trainer at the moment and you're listening or watching this and it is your goal to, you know, have a 10 year, 15 year, 20 year lifetime career in the fitness space and you're gonna be good at it, you're gonna reach this point where you hit this glass ceiling, yeah. where you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. So the sooner that you can have the sort of vision that, that, that you had when you came back in and go, okay, I'm gonna try and preempt this and set things up in place so that I don't get myself in that situation, yeah. the better it's gonna be for your long-term business. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you've kind of set yourself in the ideal situation at the moment. As a matter of fact, what does your day look like right now? Typical work day for typical Logan Robson.
0: Typical work day, um, up before six, I, do, I don't I do do any super early morning sessions because yep. I place myself at the gym all day anyway, mm-hmm. and I work quite late. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll often take the dogs for a walk or start with cardio mm-hmm. and then breakfast at home. And my first session will generally be about seven o'clock. Yep. And I have a mixture of between seven and one thirty, two o'clock of – Um, face-to-face sessions or face-to-face consults, Mm -hmm. um, whether it be diet consults or my face-to-face local prep people. Um, And then I will train myself about 2 o'clock, block out 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock, train Mm. myself, have another meal, get ready, a few emails and messages and bits and pieces, Mm. and then I'll do another three or four hours in the gym. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I go home, have my late dinner, And, um, then it's a couple of hours on online and on the computer, Mm. whether it's doing diets, emails, um, looking after our, um, interstate and overseas comp prep clients or, or just lifestyle clients as well.
1: Yeah. Busy.
0: And that's pretty much six days a week. Yeah. So do that till, um, we go to bed on Saturday night. So me and the wife can then try and relax as much as we can on a Sunday.
1: Mm. And I want to talk about that as well, because your wife, um, Jane, uh, obviously you guys are married uh, and you also work in the same business. You both, you know, both own and operate Team Sacrifice. Yes. Yeah. So you spend, I mean, you just went through what a typical day looks like for you. Monday to Saturday is busy, yeah. right? There's, there's not a lot of downtime in there. No. Uh, you keep, you keep your days, you know, jam packed. Yeah. Uh, and Jane is is very similar, obviously same, more yeah. with the online side of the business. But yeah. you're both, you know, working in this business. You're both involved in the fitness industry. You both compete as well. Jane's yeah, a WBFF yeah. pro. You're an IFBB pro. Both
0: Just competed at the same time together. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah Pros, the and same time. Pros and cons. Pros and cons.
1: No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Um, you know, one of the things that 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 uh, I see with this sort of situation where there is, you know, a, a romantic relationship that's very heavily involved in the fitness space, heavily involved with, uh, you know, the, the business, both partners working in the business, so on and so forth. How do you guys balance that with maintaining a healthy relationship? Yeah. Um,
0: we've had to become aware of it a few mm. times along the years mm. and um, just communication. Mm-hmm. Um, there's times when we've had to take a step back and that's why we try and have no contact on Sundays with clients. Mm -hmm. So I know there's coaches out there that 24 seven message me anytime, Mm. but in the way our business runs and our relationship, we have to have that one day where we step away totally try and do no phones, no no work and stuff like that. We'll do emergency stuff and, Mm -hmm. and you got to remember as well is we prep 60 people a year mm. and when it shows, Sundays. Mm-hmm. So we actually lose, what, a good 12 Sundays out of the year our one day off yeah. at shows. And we love going to the shows and obviously being with our competitors and things like that. Mm. But that's um, – it's still not relaxing. Mm. So, you know, like end of the season, we had six, seven weeks in a row where we lost our Sundays. Yeah. So that can get a bit testing in our relationship. um, I guess there's not much downtime together,
1: Mm.
0: but we are aware of it and we talk about it and we know that it's going to end. So it might be, you know, in two weeks we know it's all over and we get some downtime and and that together. Yeah. Might be a different story or put different parameters in place if every day was like that. Yeah. But we know that it's just for a short spell and it comes to an end and – um, we're aware of it.
1: Mm, kind of recalibrate a little bit. Yeah. 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 It's one of, I've got this saying that, that I use quite frequently. And, um, you know, I, I think about, uh, periods of busyness, you know, extraordinary busyness, similar to, to, to kind of the way that you think about it is I have this saying where I talk about micro obsession and macro balance. So what I mean by that is there's going to be periods of time, and you know, once again, this, 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 uh, transcends both your competitive side of your life and then the business side of it, even the relationship side of your life, to be completely honest, is you're going to have periods where you're going to have to be obsessed with what you're doing. Everything is going to have to go into that particular show everything is going to have to go into those particular clients competing for that particular period of time. There's going to be periods where it's just going to have to be, you know what, all eyes are on this particular task. In the micro, I'm going to have to be obsessed. Absolutely. But then there also has to be this macro view of of effectively balance, you know, is, okay, I know that I'm going to have these uh, micro obsession, obsession periods, but then how am I going to offset that with macro periods of balance? Yeah. And I feel like you've done a, an exceptional job of that. You know, you look at your bodybuilding career and having those periods of time where you say, you know, when you're doing comps, you're are well aware of the fact that other parts of your life are not going to progress. Yeah. And you're a big man. You're a big guy when it comes to progression, you like to move forward yeah. in, in everything similar Feline, to me, right? Yeah. But you're going to have periods where, okay, they're just going to have to stagnate because I'm going to have to put all of my obsession into this micro task of competing. Yeah. But then you've got that, you know, two to three years where you're like, okay, now I don't have to worry about competing. Let me go and focus on my business and my relationships and my friendships or, you know, whatever the other, whatever was neglected and whatever had to stagnate because of that micro obsession. Same thing with you, you know, what you just mentioned with your relationship and your business with team sacrifice There's going to be periods of competition season comes around four, five, six weeks where it's going to have to be, you know what, every single day of the week is going to be focused on clients. Every single weekend is going to be focused on shows. But we know that there is going to be an end point to that. Yeah. And when the endpoint comes along, let's slip from switch from micro obsession to macro balance and let's go and focus on, you know, with your wife, our relationship. Yeah. And let's go and make sure that that gets the attention that it deserves. So it's this concept of, micro obsession, macro balance that I use that I feel like you use. I like as it. Well. I like it. <laughs> Without really knowing. Um, yeah, yeah. I just kind of give it a name. Yeah. Um, but it's very similar to, you know, to what I do in, in all areas of my life as well. Micro obsession, macro balance. One of the other things that you have you're you're a very particular and very unique example of. And this is probably, you know, for for the listeners and viewers that that compete, um, probably the most valuable thing they're going to take from this podcast is your ability to take the lessons that you've learned through the competitive side of the sport and applying them to other areas of your life. Yeah. Very often I see the inability of people to do that. So you see people who are exceptional competitors, you know, bodybuilders, bikini competitors, physique athletes, so on and so forth. Really, really good. But in other areas of their life, they're absolute shit house. And they're just, they're, it's just a complete inability to take the principles that are so important when you compete, consistency, dedication, hard work, doing things when you don't want to do them doing the important things when no one else is watching self accountability integrity all that that you you need you need to be able to do that to be a good competitor but they're just not able to take those exact same principles and apply them to their work life apply them to their relationships apply yeah. them to every other aspect of life you've done an exceptional job of you know someone who who I guess learned those lessons very early on as a 17 year old doing your first show And you've been able to take them and apply them to other areas of your life. How have you been able to do that? I don't know if I've so much thought about doing it or it's just
0: happened, (laughs) but I'm thankful that I learned that, um, that discipline and consistency and pushing myself through bodybuilding at a young age. Yeah. And I think, Bodybuilding is great at a young age, but some people take the wrong things from it mm. or just, as you say, super obsessed yeah. and they can apply those tasks to bodybuilding. So why can't they apply it to, to everything else in their life? Yeah. Is it that it's not important enough to them? I don't know. But um, I, yeah, as I say, I'm thankful that I, I learned a lot of discipline from my watching my dad work hard mm. all his life. Um, and then just from I guess just being sporting as well, and just having that discipline through the sporting young sporting career, and then finishing it off with bodybuilding, Mm. which really teaches you that that discipline and consistency, and even that. I mean, I did my with my first diet. We would diet for twelve weeks. There's no, there was no cheat meals. There was no, there was an end goal, and you just worked hard for it. Mm. Um, Now with the cheat meals and, and if it fits your macros and look i'll do i'll i apply that with some of my athletes or more mm. my lifestyle people and things like that, mm-hmm. but it's always looking for the easy way out, mm-hmm. whereas you know even me choosing to do the show in America when yep. I could have just done the nationals here, mm-hmm. I like to challenge myself mm-hmm. I like to go the hard route mm. if it doesn't pay off lease it's still satisfying
1: it's something that like I really I struggle to understand it because I uh, man you I mean you would see it you work with you know, some of the top athletes in the country. you would see it more than most is it just frustrates me to see just exceptional athletes who obviously can do the shit that is important to be an exceptional athlete but just can't apply it to anything else. And I, I really struggle to understand why that happens. I think another problem with though is, look at them. Why are they
0: a top athlete? Yeah. Some of them are only a top athlete because of their genetics, mm-hmm. or and they okay. do just enough to skate by. Yeah. So if that's their principles, they still might win mm. and look fantastic. Mm-hmm. But if they're putting those principles into their business mm. or into their relationship, mm-hmm. I'm just skating by. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just doing what I have to do. Yeah, sure. Or your business. Genetics isn't helping your business, is it? Mm. So maybe that's why they don't progress forward in the same manner in business Mm. or in relationships. Might be another way of looking at
1: it. Absolutely. No, it's a great way of looking at it. Is there any practical advice that you can offer that may help people translate those lessons that they learn from the competitive side of the sport to other areas of life? Yeah, I guess it's just thinking about why
0: they're successful as a bodybuilder, Mm. um, what principles make them successful at that and Mm. applying that to the rest of their life. Mm. Another thing I say to my athletes is, um, you know, their 100% might be someone's 40%. Yeah. So you got to look at that in business as well. Mm. So if you're trying to start up a business and you're working four hours a day, Mm. why are you going to beat the guy that's putting in 16 hours a day? Yeah. So... Um, you can always work harder, smarter, yeah. longer. Yeah. Longer is not always a good thing, but mm-hmm. um what am I getting at with that? Practical advice. Practical advice, but
1: mm. it's an interesting one. I can always, I th- can always I, like, do more. I think about it um this is how my mind works around it. And I don't know if this is going to be of any advice to any of the listeners or viewers, but this is just kind of how I think about it is I will quite often think in my own mind back to certain contest preps that I've done where they've been for whatever reason, really fucking hard. And I've really had to dig deep to get that cardio session done, or I've been, you know, wake up in the middle of the night, absolutely starving, but I've not cheated on my diet. Just, you know, those sorts of, uh, you know, experiences that you have during a contest prep where it's like, you really have to dig deep and find another level. In my own mind, I reference those quite frequently in other areas of my life, whether it might be something to do with, um, my work, the business, where I'm going through a really difficult time and I really have to dig deep or, you know, my personal relationship or, um, you know, any different area of my life where I'm, I'm really having to, you know, find another gear, so to speak. I'll frequently think about those really difficult contest perhaps, and go, well, fuck, if I could do it th- there physically, mentally in that particular circumstance to achieve that particular goal, Absolutely. I can do it with this current situation. Absolutely. I can do it with this current problem. So I think, you know, for, for, uh, the competitive athletes that have trouble applying those principles to other areas of your life, perhaps it it may even just be having that ability to, to recall those experiences and, and go, well, you know, if I could do it for that contest prep, I guess what makes you do it for that contest prep? Yeah. There's an end date. There's an end yeah. goal. Yeah.
0: So applying it to business, Yeah. then instead of saying, I'm going to start a new business or I'm going to do this, mm. and there not being an end date or a goal, mm. there's a goal, mm-hmm. but it's whenever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So whenever is not good enough. Whereas it's a contest prep. You know, there's an end date. You're not going to cheat on you your diet. You know, you yeah. have to do that cardio. Mm-hmm. So... I guess that's by making small goals, business goals, relationship goals yeah. and hitting those targets mm. and being strict about them like a show date is,
1: mm. you have to do it so maybe that's the unlock yeah. right there maybe the unlock is using the same sort of goal setting methodology or strategy that you use for a contest prep yeah. the same sort of planning that you use for a contest planning prep
0: and structure and jokes. structure
1: yeah absolutely and knowing you know if you cheat on the, your diet there's going to be an immediate feedback loop yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. going to look shit the next day you're going to feel like shit the next day or that makes sense you know multiple days you're not going to look as good as you can on stage and, and applying that sort of strategy and methodology to the other areas of your life. So it might even be goal-related. I like that. There's some good insight. Man, I got to ask, just to kind of round this out, you are, you know, from, from a, a, a character trait um, perspective, there's a couple of things that I kind of pick up on um, that, that apply to all areas of your life. You have this almost obsession with progressing, you know, progressing forward in business, relationship, um, competing, you know, all areas of your life. You seem to just have this internal requirement to continue to move forward. But then you're also able to back that up with incredible work ethic as well. So, you know, it's not like some of these people that, you know, want to progress, but don't actually want to do the work to progress. They just, you know, it's like a bit of a pipe dream, um, heads in the cloud sort of thing. Where firstly does this innate desire to get better and progress in all areas of your life come from? And how have you backed that up with work ethic? Has it been through experience of wanting to progress, not doing the work and, and not progressing? is it something that's come from the way you've been raised? Where does this, where do these character traits kind of come from? Because for a lot of people listening to this podcast, they are quite desirable. You know, a lot of people that are interested in this, this sort of content, this is, you know, it's self-development content. They want to get better at whatever it is they're doing, but for whatever reason, perhaps they're not getting better. Perhaps they're not progressing as quickly as they want to. Where does that come from from you and how have you really harvested the ability to not just progress, but back it up with the work ethic required to progress?
0: Um, I think a lot of it did come from my upbringing and things like that. Um, having a heavy sporting background and just always wanting to be better in that, which has then rolled over into all aspects of my life mm-hmm. and just wanting, just wanting more mm-hmm. in every way. Like I don't need – that doesn't mean I need a flashy car and flashy house and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's not what I value But um, I must get great self-satisfaction out of pushing myself in Mm. every way Mm. and goal setting and reaching those goals.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And I think that's what drives me forward. I hate um, feeling uh, that I'm not progressing, I guess. Mm -hmm. And as you said, when you're chasing lots of different things, Mm -hmm. whether it be the comp side of things and business, and um, I just choose one as my main focus at the time, Mm -hmm. and then but I don't let the others just stagnate completely. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, you still got to put in the work in all areas. But I guess it's um, back to what you were saying before about the the micro and macro mm-hmm. managing. That yep. was a really good saying. So mm-hmm. um, I guess that's what helps push me forward. I've just always got a new goal. Yes. So now I'll finish competing. I'll attack business for the next six to twelve months mm-hmm. while still doing the best I can in bodybuilding and that along the way. Yeah. But if one has to take a slight step back and it might just mean one less training session a week, mm-hmm. it might mean, um,
1: you know, I don't know. Lost, lost. <laughs>
0: that
1: wasn't a very good it might mean a little progression yes. in whatever direction. Yes. It leads me, it's a good segue because is it something that you feel like you've kind of incrementally developed over the years? Like being up, you know, your typical day is like a twelve-hour day, right? Is that something where you just like one day you just flip the switch and you've gone to like working twelve-hour days, or was it something that progressively you yeah kind of it progresses added to? and
0: then just becomes your norm yeah and yep. then uh, it's funny I finished the other day uh, the last client cancelled mm. and it was still daylight mm-hmm. and I was loitering around well apparently I was loitering around the front desk because <laughs> the girls were like what are you doing yeah. I'm like, I'm finished, yeah. but I don't know what to do yeah i don't I don't want to walk out the doors while it's um still sunlight, yeah, because I feel guilty, yeah, because it was earlier than I'm used to finishing, mm-hmm. um and when I'm not busy i feel I do feel guilty, mm-hmm. so I guess that
1: helps push me forward as well, and I think that that's something you know to to take particular note of for the listeners and the viewers, and for you know for those of you who are who are trying to level up you know trying to you know develop this work ethic and develop this relentlessness and develop the ability to work longer hours, sleep shorter hours, whatever it may be, there is an incremental progression behind it. And I find this everybody, you know, who has a similar kind of work ethic to yourself and a similar uh, desire to to get better and, and improve and progress in all areas of life. It's not something that you just wake up one day and you flip the switch and automatically you go from working eight hour days to being able to work 12 hour days, you know, sleeping nine hours a night to be able to sleeping six hours a night. It's small little turns of the dial. It's small little incremental progressions that over a five year, 10 year, 15 year, 20 year period, you get to a point where that is the norm. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of people uh, who want to get to that point expect it to happen a lot quicker than it's going to happen. But it is small, little incremental improvements in work ethics, small little incremental improvements in um, efficiencies, you know, or, you know, whatever you want to put in there, it doesn't happen in big blocks. It takes time. It takes refining, uh, you know, and, and, and you just have to be patient with it. Similar to your bodybuilding. Yeah. We've yeah. got common threads all through this yeah, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Takes time. It does, man. All, all, well, you know, it's like, it's that old cliche saying, all good things take time. Yeah. It's very, very true.
0: One thing that, to mention though, maybe, because I get told off by the missus about it is, yeah. um, sometime now that I'm getting a little bit older, mm-hmm sometimes I feel like I haven't achieved enough. Mm-hmm. I go, I'm this age. I thought I'd be at this point. I yep. thought I'd have this and have done this. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where uh, Jane, the wife, will usually remind me just to take a look back at what I've achieved already mm-hmm. and what I've done. Mm-hmm. And her saying is always, um, be happy but never satisfied. Yeah. So I guess... For everyone listening as well, you've still got to appreciate what you've done and where mm-hmm. you've come from, mm-hmm. and not. When I say feel guilty, sometimes you can't beat yourself up. Yeah, all the time. When you, again, you're not in control. Mm-hmm so just to yeah take a look back and and be happy with what you've done yeah
1: and and keep pushing forward and you know what man i'm i'm happy that you've mentioned that because that is a very common theme with with high achievers effectively you know people like yourself and myself that set big goals uh, have a very strong work ethic. Are always trying to you know progress, 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 progress. Is we never actually reach a finish line. Yeah. You know, like the 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 goals just keep moving. You know, you get to the the, the goals, and the next minute they they've moved to the next level. Yeah. And then you're just about to reach them, and they move to the next level. So it is you know it, it is something that that is quite common. Is just that comes back to like bodybuilding. You put on exactly first, the same. I want to put yep. on. I'll look good and be happy with
0: five kilos. Yep. Add another five, yep. add another five. Yep. And then the never ending goal you continues. Never, you're
1: never satisfied. Yeah. And that is just a part of the, the personality, right? But it can be very destructive in the point that you're actually, you never feel satisfied. You never feel fulfilled yeah. and you never feel happy. Yeah. Um, I like to talk about the concept of, very similar to what Jane mentions, but I call it blissful dissatisfaction. So being in a state of of bliss and and happiness and fulfillment and and uh, you know feeling like you're you're happy with your accomplishments. Yeah. But also being dissatisfied yeah. in the fact that okay, what's next? Yeah. What's the next? What's the next goal? What are we going to work on next? So it is. It's once again, it's kind of that that seesawing, that kind of balancing act of yeah, you know, I'm, I I can actually be present and, and, and sit with what I've accomplished up until this point and enjoy it. But at the same time, I know that I'm going to be ready to move on to the next thing very quickly. Um, But that, that being able to, to, to sit with your accomplishments, your achievements, uh, you know, and, and be proud of yourself, give yourself a little bit of a a pat on the back and, and experience bliss with regards to them is very important. Yeah. Logan, it's been an awesome, awesome chat, man. Awesome chat. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, Where can the listeners and the viewers find you?
0: Um, Instagram is just uh, Logan Robson. Mm -hmm. Um, We do have a team sacrifice page as well. Um, Or if there's any coaching inquiries or anything like that, um, sacrificecoaching at gmail.com.
1: Okay, awesome. And I think, you know, if you Google Logan Robson or Google team sacrifice, there's going to be a whole bunch of Bits and pieces that uh, that, that, pop, that up. pop up. Probably yeah. twenty years worth. There's probably good. This, well, this is, you had so much time in the game, man. There's going to be uh, there's going to be a lot of information there. there. Hopefully it's all good, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mate, thank you so much for your time. Guys, if you have got to this point of the podcast, you're listening or, or you're watching it on the YouTube channel and you found some, some value in it. And I'm sure that you have because we've, <laughs> there's been little, little golden nuggets of value yeah. spread all throughout this podcast, um, which tends to be the way when I sit down with a man who's had 20 years experience in the, fitness game uh, and in the competitive bodybuilding game. The one thing that I ask is that you guys share the podcast. You know, you can share it through your social media. You can, you know, next time you're having a conversation with some friends or some family and they're talking about content that they've been enjoying, whether it's a movie or a um, a YouTube channel or a podcast, that's where you drop the Fitness Times Business Podcast. You say, I listen to Joe and Logan talking about all things bodybuilding and fitness and business and life. And I thought it was really good. And just give us a little plug. Or alternatively, the, the way that, uh, that a lot of people have been sharing is take a screenshot of whatever podcasting platform you guys are listening on right now, whether it's uh, iTunes, Spotify, uh, whatever platform, take a screenshot, post it in your Instagram story, tag myself at Joseph Menzel, tag at Logan Robson, and we'll see those, uh, those tags and we'll reshare them for you guys because we appreciate the love very, very much. Logan, thank you very much, man. Thank you, Joe. It's been an awesome podcast. Until next time, guys, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Massive Joe's Show. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it be SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Massive Joe's Show, ensure that you give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Until next time, we're coming to you from MassiveJoes.com. Stay massive.